0: Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. Welcome to episode 49 of With Heart and Wonder. If you listened to last week's episode you'll know that I took a very unplanned two month break from the podcast um, due to some things that were happening in my own life. And this episode was actually recorded um, kind of at the beginning of that whole period. So it was such a cool experience to go back and listen to it like two months later and to be reminded of all of the incredible gems of wisdom that that really shine so bright in this episode with my friend Justine from It Just Flows. This episode is is truly packed with so much of her potent insights around processes of creativity and and social justice and change and how that all relates to really this sense of, of intentionality and mindfulness that is at the heart of her work, particularly mindfulness around our emotions. I am so excited that you're here with us today as we dive into this conversation. Welcome, Justine. I honestly am I feel brighter already. My day feels so much better already just having talking, starting talking to you today. And, um, I know this is, this is just audio, but you're joining me today. And on zoom, you've got this like bright gold yellow shirt on and yellow behind you. And I just feel like you are bringing the sunshine today. I am (laughs) truly so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, you're
1: joining us from Vancouver today, right? That's correct and I I must say I was excited um, when you asked me because I was like I know who all my fellow yellow lovers are. I know who y'all are (laughs) (laughs) and you also have your your yellow sweater on that's bringing me a little bit of cheer too. So totally um, it's
0: interesting actually yellow was this color that I I was just kind of like take it or leave it and in Mm -hmm. the last like year I've really fallen in love
1: with yellow. Like it
0: started a bit before that but like in the last year I've recognized my love of yellow and it Mm -hmm. really is um, like I know sometimes um, when we look at like color psychology it's like a color that's associated uh, with joy but also with hope Mm -hmm. and um, I think Uh, and radiance and light and and um so so much goodness can come from the color yellow
1: (laughs) yeah little tidbit actually at uh camp um imperfect boss camp where I met you first it was one of my friends who had come to the camp so she is a native uh Chinese speaker And she also is one of my fellow yellow lovers. And so we had noticed that both of our wardrobes were very yellow. And she and I was like, of course, I love yellow, because it's one of my brand colors is what I was thinking. And she's like, it's your last name. So my Chinese name, my last name in Chinese is actually the character yellow. Now, I actually I know that, but I didn't connect the dots until she said it. I've gone this whole lifetime not realizing, wait a minute, that is actually my last name. Wow. <laughs> brand or no brand, it doesn't matter. Like me as a person, that is actually my last name, the meaning of the, the Chinese symbol, the, the kanji character. Oh
0: my gosh, that is so neat. And um, and such a beautiful, co- like, and I do associate yellow with you because of your branding as well. And um, uh, I, I remember at, at camp, the, like, the beautiful note that you, you know, if, if anyone's ever been to a camp and done kind of like a warm and fuzzy thing or where you give like nice notes to people and Justine made me the most beautiful note um, with yellow, blue and purple and when I pulled it out and read it, it just gave me, a, it gave me that feeling of like the hope and optimism and radiance and then the blues and the purple, that more calming and, and maybe we'll talk a bit about color today because you are a, um, you call yourself a social impact calligrapher. And I love this name. And I, 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 it gives me every time I I see it written, um, and you know, whether it's on your website or on Instagram, I'm just like, yes, like this is so good. And it gives me such a clear intention of, of who you are and what you're about. Um, and I'd love to hear like, how did you, get into calligraphy first of all um and then and then tell us a little bit about this journey of like I I imagine it was a little bit of an unfolding um and an unearthing to realize that you wanted to use calligraphy in a way that was was related to to social justice and social change and so
1: can you walk us on this journey a little bit Yes. So when I was eight years old, two pens came into my life. And one was gifted to me by my mother. It was the Schaefer, you can still buy it at the in the stores today, the Schaefer fountain pen set, calligraphy set, and I taught myself how to write Roman italic okay. as an eight year old, just with the little sheet that shows you all the strokes. And so I did that, but that same year, my grade three teacher gave us fountain pens. So ballpoint fountain pens for cursive practice. Okay. We were his very first class he still had not gotten tired of teaching or students and we were his favorites. Um, And so we felt so grown up and so cool with these pens so I came home with this fountain pen, and I started to dance around the living room, drawing these massive letters in the air. Oh my gosh I can see this. This is beautiful. (laughs) And except for I was dripping dark ink all over my mother's beige carpet. Oh no. Unbeknownst to me, I don't even know. I think she was the one who caught it because I didn't observe it. And I still remember, she does not remember this, but I still remember her quietly cleaning up every spot. She did not yell at me. She did not discipline me. She didn't do, like, I felt shame I felt a sense of shame for it, but she did not rail me for it. She didn't do anything negative towards me. And looking back, I think that that was a really pivotal part of my my creative spirit as a child. Now, she's actually very creative, too, and modeled a life of creativity. But in terms of my own sense of play and not feeling shameful, right? And so I bring that a lot into my workshops where I spend a lot of time on mindset and creating the space to because it calligraphy can be very perfectionistic yeah um, and people come with all kinds of hang-ups and you you just can't get good at it unless you actually do a lot of messy stuff along the way um so it's it's all about inviting people into that space so that's that's how it all got started but I didn't really revisit it I revisited here and there um as it taking classes as an adult and the first class that I took as an adult I actually dropped out because it wasn't fun Um, it was like a lot of just like basic strokes and the guy was kind of not that interesting so I actually dropped out Um, so fun is another element that I must have uh, in my learning process with people and with myself Um, but then it really was when I when I burnt out pretty severely three years to burn out three years to recover from that it was in the three-year recovery period where calligraphy came back to me because in the first in the in the burnout process where you kind of lose all sense of yourself you kind of become disconnected and dispassionate about anything that you used to be concerned about yeah um I I questioned everything Uh, it it was a maybe it was my 30 year old uh, uh identity midlife crisis but it was a sense of like was I really a creative person? Was that all for performance? Is that just like, I don't even know who I am anymore. So when I came back, when calligraphy came back to me was in that creative process of just like, writing more and drawing and, you know, just exploring and realizing this is actually, you know, it's not so much about creating cards or designs for people, this is just for me. Um, And so I've, I, I developed a, or I've kind of have taken one of the uh, main styles that one of my instructors um, taught us, which I'm going to call it expressive lettering, which is, it's not so much about how pretty it looks, or, you know, how consistent it looks, because calligraphy is, traditional calligraphy is very much about that, Um, but it's much more about, like, expressing the mood of the word, or the mood of the the, the expression, whatever the the thought or incident or memory that you're exploring how do you express that visually with words um so what would the word anger look like like if i asked you right now what what visually would the word anger look like to you
0: oh my gosh that's such a good question um and and i'm 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 gonna answer but i'm just like i love this idea of of thinking about about uh, about um letting it express in the words and for me anger feels uh, really like big and loud and um yeah red which i know is a color some people associate with with anger um and Mm -hmm. and harsh like the lettering is is harsh yeah yes
1: yeah so it's really a process of um being intentional and mindful about the meaning of the word the sentiment behind it Um, so I'll do that in my journaling Um, I'll do it actually I don't use a lot of color in my own journaling because it's like too many decisions yeah (laughs) Um, but then when I do a a piece where it's safer I so I have a regular rhythm of seasonal rhythm of looking back so like birthdays especially end of the year that kind of thing where I will kind of sift for the gold. What are the lessons? What are the moments um, that I want to remember from this season? And then I'll do an exploration visually of that so that I have a collection so my Christmas my, my annual Christmas cards have become that where it's just a process of like here's a and I usually try to make it have some so it's not just for me but there's like a takeaway for for the viewer of it and so people have said over the years oh I love getting your Christmas cards and thank you and I'm like it's actually just for me I'm being really selfish like yeah. <laughs> this process and the accountability of sending this this annual update is is not really for me to be able to take that pause so that's you know that's the person personal side but then the the social impact part comes in uh it it kind of just evolved i love the way your language of like unfolding um so i used to do these craft jams in my uh, apartment with a couple of roommates we would just invite people over bring your own bring your own craft and let's you know put on some music some snacks some good conversation and so whether we have uh 10 people with 10 different crafts or like one time we had nine knitters and one origami folder and then me the calligrapher and so we were just we used to do that like with there's no agenda yeah. um and so naturally like what came out of that someone was like oh can you teach me you know some calligraphy and so um i just said there's a friend of mine who she ended up posting on instagram In the early days of instagram she had just bought a magazine about lettering and calligraphy that she was super excited about so she tagged me in it and i was like oh well i could you know on the i responded on the thread and i was like oh i could teach you a couple things and then another friend of ours we had known each other from university mutually and the third friend got in on the thread and she was like well can i get in on that And because another common point that we, the three of us had was uh, an interest in social justice from some campus clubs that we had been involved with, I kind of, my entrepreneur entrepreneur brain kind of like kicked into high gear and I was like oh it's November let's do a fundraiser Mm. let's invite like let's invite some people over let's do it by donation um and you know let's have some fun and even if it's just the two of you that's fine we're still going to have a good time so we invited you know our friends and stuff 10 people in my living room packed out um and we explored just how do we use letters letter like how do we use art and lettering for justice, how can we use it? Say whether it be writing notes of encouragement to someone or writing a sign for a protest or whatever it could be. So it started from there, and then the meetup started just because realizing again the perfectionism piece. Where I and a lot of people I talk to have this too the struggle where it's like I only do art. When I've got all the pieces together and I have a big chunk of time and I have my desk cleared and all of this, and then it never happens or it only happens once a year, once in a blue moon, right? So I started these casual meetups where it's just come and do your own thing. Uh, and if nobody shows up, and there were times that nobody showed up, then it was at least a date. Like I already put this, the time aside on my calendar to do it, right? Um, and really, the process of learning how to show up more consistently that's when things started to improve in terms of technical skill, but also just in terms of like creating that creative rhythm, right, in your mm-hmm. life. And you're not just, you know, Making it some big thing in your head where you just can't possibly, it's just too overwhelming, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not accessible at all. And so, um, that's really, you know, I always say to my people when they're coming into my space, um, where it's like, okay, we only have three hours, two to three hours, and realistically, I'm not going to make you a wedding calligrapher in three hours. So what can we realistically do in this time? Is I, we can, we can make it a safe place and a fun place so that you will want to practice when you leave here, because that's the only way you're going to improve your practice, whether it be. For technical, you want to create a technical project, or whether it's because you—it's more for yourself in your own creative process, right? So that really is my goal in the in those short sessions. Um, and probably one of the best uh, feedback that I got on my cert on my form at the end of the class was, uh, I asked, you know, what was your favorite thing, you know, about this this time that we had? And when someone said laughing at how bad it looked, <laughs> like that was that was really. Good, you yeah. know, to have that experience and to be okay with that discomfort of the fact that it's just not going to look that good for a lot of people <laughs> when you're first getting started. So that, to me, that's like, yes, that's exactly. Well, not that I want you to like be excited that you know, but I just want people to be able to embrace that process because that's the only way you're going to move forward. Um, now, I'd love to learn how to. Uh, um, apply that in other areas of my life where I struggle with perfectionism. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's certainly applicable for any other thing that you're trying to do that's new in your life, right?
0: (laughs) But what I love about that example and what I love about uh, a lot of what you just shared was kind of the the interrelationships between like, in this case, like what you're doing for you. And how that impacts others. Um, And so, you know, like that example of of you making those incredible Christmas cards and and sending them out and and people feeling so much gratitude and... um, and, and I think there is something about like when we are, when we're like in our zone of genius or in our light or in our heart or whatever you want to call it, um, there's like this radiating effect that it like naturally uplifts others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful example. And the same thing with you saying, you know, like I, I wanted, um, like it was it was for me in a way too like it it was for me to like have this time that was I, that that time of 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 showing up and holding space for others but also showing up and holding space for yourself and that like that that because it's true like we all should laugh more when we're learning new things um but sometimes it's a lot easier to do that when we're held in the support of yes. others um like if i was like at home learning how to do calligraphy by myself like I it would not be pretty like there would be tears um and so um and so um this like beautiful um it always it always just makes my heart sing when there are these things these opportunities where it and like mutually beneficial sounds like so transactional and capitalist but like but (laughs) that 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 it is something that like you know it's something that is feeding your soul and feeding the soul of others and those are the best type of things you know where we come together and it creates its own energy and its own resonance Mm -hmm. um and there's its own, there's this own like special, there's this spe- there's this magic of coming together. I mm-hmm. really, I really do think.
1: Yeah, there's a, ma- I think I love that. Like I always talk about like, it's creating space for meaningful connections and that's with yourself and with other people and with what's happening in the world. Yeah. And so when you were talking just now, it makes me think about how um, I'm on, kind of on this quest to like learn how to create more from an inspired place, if that makes sense. Yeah. In terms of the business stuff and the social media and all that Sure. Right. And I'm sure you have your own examples or anybody creative or business owners out there where you've done something because you think you're supposed to do it, or it's your, your schedule said you have to do this, um, post this thing or whatever, versus the times when you share something, a share message or work on a project where you're just, it's, it's c- compelling you to do it you mm-hmm. can't not do it and when it comes from that space and you share it mm-hmm. um, with the world it just get it get people can tell the spirit behind it yeah of what you've created right um, and whether it be like positive and uplifting or hey I'm in the valley right now and this is just where I am um, and how that even still encourages and uplifts people in the sense they realize I'm not alone and you, I, not everybody has it all together I mean nobody does, right? But we, we forget that so easily, right? Our brains kind of go into comparison mode and all these different things, right? So, But what you're
0: describing really is like that process of like being in the flow, right? And I yes. know that the name mm-hmm. of your business is It Just Flows, and which I also have been obsessed with since since I learned that that, that was the name. Um, and uh, and it's such a powerful name, I think, because because what you are doing, and I know that it really is rooted as one of the kind of foundational values in in your work, is is creating space for connection, but for that mindfulness and that presence as as mm-hmm. well, um, which which you're you're creating space to hold space for uh, for for people to come together and and make those connections, but that a huge part of that is in the getting curious and the slowing mm-hmm. down. And even in that description you gave us of like, you know, what does a word like, what, what, like if what if we think about the emotions and the moods and the feelings that are associated, like how can we bring that into what it is that we're creating? And I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, I know as well, you're someone who, who, um, Uh, is very inspired by living a life that is aligned with the heart. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to talk a little bit about like in your kind of creative workshops and as you're supporting people, how are you – creating space for people to, to, to take that mindful journey, um, and to connect with the heart um, or the body or, 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 mm-hmm. but to, to facilitate those, uh, those
1: internal connections. Yeah, that's a great question. So I do, I, so this is, I'm still working through with my business where exactly how to frame this but I do have the technical workshops which still are very mindful because of how we do it but they're still technique based right um but there's this whole other side that's way more vulnerable vulnerable for me to explore because uh so that that's the area of what I call those expressive lettering workshops where it's not about the technique and it's more about getting so like present so even Having exercises where it's like we're gonna just breathe with the pen. Mm-hmm. Look at where the bristles are going. How, do you hear the sound of the the pen on the paper? Like I'm such a geek. I love when all of my students are just getting into, like they're just doing basic strokes, and I can hear the the chorus of their pens just scratching against the paper. Right. Like is everything so from that, beautiful. from the senses. You know, yeah. just the senses. Um, all the way to then where now it's really I'm probably going to start putting more in my marketing that it's actually journaling and expressive lettering yeah um so there's that process of like prompts and creating that space and then time for people to share um and to be seen and to, to be seen and heard as they're sharing their different process whether it be I really struggled with um you know uh, my stuff looking really ugly to I'm actually just going to share the content of the prompt that you've given me and so those prompts are around uh things like gratitude or I'm really excited they'll be doing this workshop in a couple weeks um, on um, just honoring the one year anniversary, not honoring, that's not quite the right word, but like recognizing, making space to recognize that we're at the one year mark of the pandemic. Um, and how do we deal with still a lot of the icky things of of that process, of yeah. working through that messy middle. Um, so a lot of it is just creating that space of, um, so journaling, lots of just space and time for you to do this now some some people I get some people who are like I, I've i never done journaling this is out of my comfort zone but that's why I'm here but I also get people who are regular journalers and they're word lovers and they're readers but they're also a lot of them struggle with making the time for themselves yeah and so it's like okay if you can do this better because you're with other people and you've got a guided structure this is also for you if you need to make a date with yourself or with a friend and just have a container held for you. Exactly. So you might even like be very, practiced in your journaling or very practiced in your seasonal reflections, etc. But there's an extra added power when you get to share that in community. And there was somebody who's new to one of my workshops and it was um and I'm at the place in my business where it's not like I've got a huge queue of people waiting. So I'll usually have like 10 or less people. Um, And she was like, I don't know if that was planned. You know, I think I only had five people in that session. And it was super powerful because everybody got to share deeply. Um, and one of the feedback from the, uh, that I got from that workshop was that my, 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 uh, fearlessness around silence. Like I didn't feel like I need, I mean, I felt the awkwardness, but I was just, I just sat there, um, held the space and someone, one of the people who took a little bit longer to share, um, she had given feedback that she's like, I've. I felt like I could take my time and I didn't need to rush, right? But then also, yeah, Yeah. and also that, you know, if you don't feel, like, for example, this workshop coming up with the pandemic that I'm expecting, because it's it's mostly based in the U.S., um, there's going to be some people who are going through some really hard things, and if they don't feel like sharing, that is okay too, right? But that there is that a lot of that permission to engage with the space however you want to right but that being said I'm realizing that I probably even as I grow my business and have more people interested I think I still want to keep it at a cap yeah because I've been able to be on the receiving end of similar kinds of workshops same content but because it's a larger group you just don't get that same level of intimacy unless you use small groups you know breakouts or something like that Um, so anyway all to say that it is really about making space for people, um, to face whatever is coming up, um, and be able to kind of sit with that, with that curiosity, without any judgment, without any shame and realizing that they're not alone in that struggle. Yeah. There's usually, like you said, there's a different energy. Every group has a different personality. Every session has a different, you know, uh, message or feeling that emerges yeah and I love seeing how those connections happen between people in terms of like um you know like I've had people who are in completely different decades of their lives and then one person shares something and then somebody else is like I did not expect to, you know, have that connection with somebody who feels so different to me than I might normally be hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love just leaving space for that to happen. Um, and just that revelation. The other day, I had this really profound thought where um, I was in a, a uh, one of my weekly small groups, I was not the one holding that space. But in that group, we do dive into just to see things. Um, and we had a guest speaker, uh, a Black guest speaker, and I asked a question that when she answered it, even though nobody in that room, including her, was judging me, I felt a lot of shame for even asking the question. Mm-hmm. And as I kind of processed and debriefed myself and kind of comforted myself, you know, walked myself through that after the meeting for a couple of days, I realized what it was is that I felt vulnerable for the question that I asked in the area of racism mm-hmm. that just felt like oh I should have known that mm-hmm. right and then I realized that that's I know the women in the heart of the women in that room and I know that they were not putting that on me mm-hmm. right and I realized that it was such a safe place to ask that question um and to have just you know I don't know, just the patience with that. And so I needed to extend that patience to myself. And I realized that there's a huge connection between creativity, play, justice, being in community, um, is that you need vulnerability to be able to do all of those things. All of those things are incredibly vulnerable um, to get yourself in a place where you're completely creative and messy, uh, to do the work of justice when along the way, you're just afraid of, you know, you're afraid of making mistakes, right? Even in the social media space, we see that so much where it's like, cancel culture is like, well, you need to say something, you need to post something. And if you don't, then it means this, it's like, well, no, people have their, it doesn't. Now, some people might be just, you know, ignoring uh, and avoiding the work, but there's, there could be people who are just thoughtfully trying to engage with it. And, Afraid of making mistakes, you know, in terms of what they're saying and what they're supporting and all those things. And so I, I just, I'm kind of, it's still kind of a new thought where I'm kind of parking myself on that. How do we create and connect those spaces together to explore with courage all of these areas? Because yeah. un, unlearning our injustice, our isms that are within us are hard to learn um, without. Set, because there's just so much self-judging or the culture is judging you for not getting it right or fast enough or whatever it is right so i don't know i'm kind of just sitting with that right now um in realizing that because i grew up in a culture that was not very uh, emotionally aware we just didn't prioritize that it's taken me a lifetime of just learning how to be present with oh this is why i'm this is what i'm feeling uh, especially the challenging emotions um and I'm really uncomfortable with that. What do I do with that, right? And how do I process that? And how do I resolve that and move move it along, right, to the next thing so that I don't shut down, right? Because shame just shuts us down. Shame goes, my letters look ugly. Or my attempt to, to be an anti-racist um, and, and be an ally didn't go well. So I'm just going to shut down. Or like, oh, I'm really confronted with this really ugly part of my heart that I just couldn't see before because it's swimming around me in the system around me. I, I, I just don't want to talk about it. It feels so uncomfortable, right? So I, it's, a, it's an interesting time that we live in right now. Yeah. Where I, there's a collective rising where, where there's a pressure. Yes, a good kind of pressure. But then there's also like, how do we proceed? You know, uh, and the, we had a, another Black guest speaker at that women's circle yesterday. And it was really interesting because people were asking her, uh, she was sharing about the work of uh, domestic violence in South Africa particularly in uh, in relationships um, uh, and she was someone asked her the question of like how do how do we you know as a faith-based community or how is how do we as you know all these different communities how do we actually engage with um, how do we engage with that right how do we out educate people and it was really interesting to hear her perspective of at first she had a very harsh like not harsh but like righteously justified anger Mm -hmm. right that that was educating people but then she realized that a gentle approach was much more conducive in terms of actually walking people through their shifting understanding so in that particular case it was these um African husbands and fathers who might be very like you know uh culturally you know very harsh and strong and for them to admit or to shift uh, to a completely different way of thinking is going to require gentleness
0: yeah because
1: otherwise it'll trigger uh, a defensiveness naturally that's going to happen absolutely when anything is brought into the light where we are actually you know, uh, wrong about something or off track, you know, about something. It's incredibly threatening to, to make changes.
0: Yeah. And it, and it does, it, it affects our nervous system and, and, and then that affects our, what others are feeling from us. And, um, yeah, absolutely. There was so much that you shared, um, that I want to circle back to, and I want to come back to this theme of kind of messiness and mistakes, but, but first I want to talk a little bit more, um, uh about kind of exploring and and getting into the senses because mm. i i think that's such a beautiful way to um to kind of promote mindfulness and also I think it's a really useful tool when it comes to um, diving into our emotions and getting to know our emotions and I know you were sharing that um, that that was that that's been uh, an area that you've been holding space for yourself in um, uh, is 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 that kind of um, emotional, It always seems harsh to call it emotional intelligence, but like, I know that is. Awareness. Yeah. yeah, That emotional emotional awareness. awareness. And, um, the, and, and so what I love is because I find in my own life and, and I do this in, in my teaching and my work sometimes is I find that. It can be so powerful um, to try and get curious about like relating to something in a different way. So, for instance, mm-hmm. if I'm working with someone um, and we're kind of going into the body, like if there is an area of discomfort. Um, to also talk about like maybe what that would look like, like like what mm-hmm. what what kind of colors would be there if we imagined it mm-hmm. as like an abstract painting? Like what would the textures be? Like what what kind of shapes are there? Um, and what happens as we breathe? Does anything start to shift? You know? And so mm-hmm. it's this way of like of like we're we're talking about the body, but we're not going to use words which we're used to using. We're going to think about it in this more visual way and just see if that changes anything for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why. I was so excited when you were talking about bringing that approach to to words and like thinking about the words and and um, what is it that that word is communicating and um, and and then to layer on the journaling as well as an opportunity to to go a little deeper into ourselves and so um, I just love to 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 kind of open up a little bit. Um, if there's anything in terms of your own journey with getting more mindful about um, your own emotional landscape, that and anything that kind of has has emerged um, through your workshops, that you, that you might like to share.
1: That is. That's interesting because I was, um, the reason why I was actually drawn to your course on rest rhythms is the, um, is the embodied piece that you bring because I, with my enneagram type is all head, right? Like, so nobody. What's your enneagram? So I'm an enneagram seven. I was wondering. Um, So I'm all (laughs) stuck in my head. Um, and i even here's the funny thing as we engage in these heart spaces heart centered spaces people think that i assume that i'm a feeler on the myers briggs i talk a lot about emotions but that's also i have to be careful that it's not a, my way of avoiding feeling them yeah like absolutely. i try i try to name them too fast almost yeah right um, so i think with um i'm and i'm only just exploring the embodied piece of lettering in terms of really becoming present to the tools and the paper Mm -hmm. and the you know like even I can think of like I haven't done it specifically but I could add aromatherapy to it and all the things um but I've gotten really kind of really fixated on doing spirals yeah so I was taking a couple another art class um And I was just drawing so no words yet. And I was just drawing spirals and I was just fascinated with watching the brush go around layer after layer and just slowly sensuously doing this right. Um, But in in my workshops, I think with the words it really, it is a combination of visualization, you know, so I do um, meditation visualizations, um, where we're just kind of exploring you know, what that looks like. Um, even though my workshops are more focused on words, it certainly is blendable with um, colors and shapes. Absolutely. And, you know, if, if if an artist comes in and already has certain skills, they can certainly like, like they know how to do watercolor or they know how to paint landscapes or whatever. They can certainly bring that in. Um, but I, I guess my space is really like very loose in the sense of like, it's, it's just about being intentional and thinking about it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Right? It's kind that, of like what you're saying. Yeah, the thinking, thinking about it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interrupting your brain to just come at it from a fresh angle. Yeah. And um, if it's new to people, then it's going to be um, a little uncomfortable at first. It's kind of like when I. Um, I won this contest with a photographer in Vancouver and we, we won a, my friend and I got to go on a personalized, like they created this date for us, a BFF date. And this is the best a floor, contest. Yeah, it was actually a pretty amazing contest. So if you were an engaged couple, for example, the, their florist probably would have come up with something for a photo shoot or something, but because we were not an engaged couple, they created a craft workshop for us with the florist. This is so cool. And the florist, I do know the florist from these circles, but she, her, her workshop approach was very similar to what I would do. Mm -hmm. But I was so uncomfortable because I was like, she was kind of like, here are your tools, now create something. And I was like, I just noticed how uncomfortable I was at first. And I was like, this is how your students feel. This is a really good exercise for you to kind of lean into the discomfort and just get moving. So I just started you know, slowly piecing things together. And it sure enough, came up with something. My friend came up with something very different. But part of it is just the process of getting started. Right? Yeah. And just, you know, not allowing the frozenness to, you know, like my sister does improv um, and their improv is all about being in the moment and kind of just forgetting about the fact that you're not trying to impress anything you're, you're not even performing even when you are performing like it's really an improv from what my improv friends have told me is really about supporting one another yeah right so when you're playing these games you're staying connected with your partners uh, and your team and you're just keeping the ball rolling and if something falls flat it doesn't matter somebody will pick it up right and it's such a. it sounds like such a I mean it's terrifying to me but it, it sounds like such a great process of just you know getting moving and course correcting as you go and being super curious and compassionate along the way. And that's very much what the lettering is all about. Like it's not meant to be um especially the journaling pieces. Like it's not you're not gonna have a finished product. Like you don't need to you don't have to be even working towards a finished product at all. Yeah. Which I think is, I don't know if I answered that. I just no you did. I and, <laughs> and I love
0: that because um to be honest, I think sometimes we're like so focused on the outcome.
1: Yeah, and
0: I've um I've been thinking about that lately a lot actually because um so uh, Justine, you were one of the the founding members, the first kind of cohort to go through um my course uh, Radical Rest Rhythms. But one of the things I've been thinking about because I know this has been my experience too is like sometimes I'll like do an online course or I'll. I'll do something and I'm like a starter not a finisher all the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um and I know that that's been some people's experience going going through the course. And but there is this thing that like I don't actually think we always need to finish things, you know? Yes. And I've been sitting with that and like the fact that like we can have a transformative yet un- incomplete experience and mm. and that has mm-hmm. been my truth and so some of the most transformative things i've done in my life are things i haven't finished um yes. and but it was it met me where i was at a moment in time and yes. and it it gave me it gave me tenfold what i ever needed even if i didn't yep. actually finish it and we can get so hung up on like Mm-hmm. like the finishing of things yes. um and uh and i think you know it's it's kind of because then we can feel like we can tie it up with a nice neat bow and put it on the shelf or, or do that check it off the to-do list um and so i i think it's actually just like such a beautiful practice and certainly like a practice of mindfulness as well to just be in the process and see what happens um mm-hmm. and it's not even uh it makes me think of you know um i have a I one student who um in my yoga classes who was telling me about this journal that they got called the Wreck-It Journal I don't know oh yes yeah yes, and, yeah, and yeah. they loved yeah. it so much because for them it was like so this journal is one where you're like mm-hmm. encouraged to like beat it up and like tear it yes. apart and like yes. like, like totally <laughs> totally um and and like almost to destroy it in a way or yeah. or these practices where we write or we draw something and then we like light it on fire and like yes. <laughs> there is this element of like impermanence and non-attachment and like releasing mm-hmm. the outcome that i think is is really beautiful and allows us to to maybe i don't know what i don't know what it opens up but to me it seems to open up um like taking that approach seems to be an opportunity to release expectation and let it yes. be an invitation. And it seems yes. to be an opportunity as well to release um, pressure in the form of whether it's perfectionism or shame or or whatever it might yeah. be. Um, and really to, which is what I want to talk about is, as we weave our way in the last few moments of our time together, is like the messiness and, and like letting like, letting things get really messy and letting ourselves, giving ourselves permission to be in the messiness. And I'll yeah. share that I'm one of those people who, like, decided as a child that I wasn't good at, at arts and crafts. And then, and that was confirmed to me in art projects <laughs> um, with my grades <laughs> from teachers. Um, uh-huh. and, and then I just kind of, like, you know, like, have avoided it ever since. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people, a lot of people like that. And, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, let's talk about messiness and let's talk about messiness, not just in, uh, in, in this creative process and, and in the workshops, but I know, um, as a social impact calligrapher and, and as someone who is so, committed to to social justice as well like the messiness of the world and maybe there's this relationship between letting getting more comfortable with with messiness um in 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 our creation and and how that maybe lets us be more comfortable with other other places of messiness as well when it maybe comes to activism or social change
1: yeah yeah so going back to that example where I shared in that group and I felt like I asked a dumb question yeah it it, I I my hunch is that unless I was being present to that and have if I had not been learning those skills of emotional presence with myself I probably would just be like just subconsciously just avoiding it then yeah right so I think part of it is expecting This is where I can't reconcile cancel culture in the sense that if we want people to be able to um, engage in the messy process of trans social change, right? we're gonna have to, that cancel culture shuts it down, basically, because there's such a far distance between where we've come from, and where we're trying to go, that it's just, there has to be baby steps, and there has to be celebration of all those baby steps. Now, from the perspective of the oppressed groups, I do also see, and I'm listening carefully, and I do see that there's also a tiredness there, right? So it's like, the, I don't have an answer to this, but I I am curious, I'm asking the questions right now and observing around how to where and how can we create spaces to sustainably grow in our social change as individuals. I'm thinking about how to use my spaces to blend uh art and um justice together so we can actually explore cuz i'm not a inver- like i'm not a diversity expert mm-hmm. um but i am a person of color i am a you know uh i am in an intercultural relationship so there there's certain things that i can create space for uh and how do i collaborate in the future right but i guess the question is whether it be your journal that's non judgmental or um a friend or two that can actually help you have these intentional conversations. I think that's maybe the takeaway, is where can you be intentional? Yeah. Um. You know. So do the reading, but where can you actually debrief that and begin to practice that, um, and become aware of that? There's a training that I was a part of, uh, a series that one of my friends who does wonderful work in that area. Um. So I was the heart piece. I got to talk about all of my racism and how that's come up and all the blindnesses that I've had. So I, you know, shared openly about that. But those would have been impossible without multiple spaces of practicing the language so to speak yeah it's not just like saying the right words but it's an emotional language of you know identifying where why certain things are why is why am I reacting defensively when I hear you know someone talking about something that means that I have to change the way that I have thought I'm finding that there's people who there's a lot of people who are hungry for it but they may not know where to access that kind of space yeah right so You can just start it with a friend, even I would say to start with um, and just be willing to have the conversation, uh, start having the conversations and use the books uh, and the YouTube videos from experts and from actual lived experience people, whatever that whatever the oppressed group is that you're talking about, whether it be violence or whether you're talking about race or whether you're talking about sexuality, whatever it is. Right. So I don't know. What? so many big things so, so many, many big, big things
0: and I mean what I am really taking away from that is just the importance to find spaces where we're allowing ourselves to be in the messiness and I think yes. back to that example um that you shared about yourself is this recognition that like okay I've maybe gotten really good at like naming my emotions but I, I'm not necessarily like letting myself feel it you know and mm-hmm. and I think um like how is it that we can like really dive in to the messiness because I think mm-hmm. a lot of us are are trying to um are 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 trying to make things fit in nice neat little boxes um in our minds and in our lives mm-hmm. um and the more that I think we like open things up and explore the more room for possibility that creates and and so in, in that vein, sometimes I think it's not even so much about finding the answers as it is asking really powerful questions yeah, and just definitely. sitting in the messiness. Um uh so yeah, I um I I truly am so uh so honored to know you and so um so deeply grateful um for for the work that you're doing in this world, because I think, uh, I think anytime that we can come together in community and share an experience that is meant to create connection is a gift. And the fact that, um, that there's a, such a rich opportunity for learning not just about ourselves, but about our relationship in the world um, in these workshops that you're offering is is truly so special. Is there anything that you feel like sharing, anything on your heart as we wrap up today?
1: The last thing I'll say, and I think it's just a good summary of our whole conversation today, the phrase that's just sitting with me right now, and it is kind of my my latest mantra that I've been – I don't think it's just going to be per- uh, temporary it's going to be a permanent mantra. Um be curious and be compassionate. Yeah. Give yourself space to be comp- to be curious and compassionate um in that messy middle. Um cuz there's good things waiting on the other side and right here with you too.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, being curious and compassionate in the messy middle the perfect words to end on thank you so much for sharing your heart and your time with us today Um, and where can people find you if they want to stay in touch
1: Yeah. um so it just flows is uh dot com or instagram is my most active uh, platform and if you connect with me there you can sign up for i do a monthly free lettering sheets with journaling prompts cool amazing so much Thanks
0: so much for being here today and sharing in this conversation with Justine and I. It's always such a gift to have your presence. If this conversation sparked any questions, insights, thoughts, I always love hearing from you. You can get in touch at meganjohnston.com or slide into my DMs over on Instagram. You'll find me at Megan L. Johnston. I look forward to the next time we meet again episodes are released on Tuesdays. Keep living with heart and wonder.